yeah. All right, everyone. Welcome to, uh, I believe this is week six or seven of Classroom Chatter. And uh, this might be the one where I'm probably most fired up, so to speak, uh, to individuals who I look up to, uh, and a family who I look up to, and also two individuals that have certainly influenced me to uh, go into education. And uh, so very, very excited for tonight, uh, if you can't tell. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. So I'm very, very excited uh, to have uh, both P.E. and Drew McClanahan on the show tonight. So uh, both of these individuals uh, have a lot of experience, are great in, in education and also with coaching and uh, in the field of pretty much leading others and, and educating others and improving lives. Um, so it's truly an honor to have both of you on the show and uh, welcome to Classroom Chatter. Thank you, Zach. It's an honor to be with you, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Zach. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. So I'm not going to wait any longer. Uh, I believe I sent you to uh, some of the questions kind of give you an idea of what I'm going to ask. Uh, so my favorite section is the getting to know you section because sort of silly questions in there, but all around fun. Um, so I think I know what, what Drew's answer would be here, but um, I have to know what was uh, both of your all's uh, favorite subject in school and why? Drew, you want to start off? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to we're going to share some similarities here. Um, history uh, has definitely been a, a passion of mine um, for my whole life, and, and just for reference, um, and, and PE can attest to this. That was Theodore Roosevelt uh, for Halloween whenever I was in uh, first grade, uh, and so history has always been a passion. Um, so that's the easy answer. But um, you know, the, the the older that I've gotten, the more I've realized that. Uh, it's the sciences were actually classes I really enjoyed as well and, and, and uh, had some really good teachers uh, along the way that, that really have piqued an interest to do more reading as I've gotten older. So, you know, the, the social studies and history uh, was most definitely uh, at the forefront. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that there was a foundation for an appreciation uh, and a love of science there as well. So that's kind of a surprise there for you, Zach. I like it. I like it. And I can also add this in there uh, when it came to a love of reading. I always had it because of my mom and dad, uh, but it wasn't until I had UNAP U.S. history that really got me into enjoying uh, reading history. And so uh, tip of the cap to you on that. Zach, I'll, uh, I'll echo Drew's uh, statements. My favorite subject in, in school was history. Uh, the best teacher I ever had, and I had some great ones, uh, the best teacher I ever had was Diane Smith. She taught 11th grade history and English, and I took it the same semester. Uh, and Diane really brought history alive. Uh, she was a great storyteller, great uh, at, at connecting and, and making things relevant. So that really brought me into history, and I still owe her you know, a huge debt of gratitude to this day. Also, um, when, when dad, my dad was obviously, you know, but those who are listening may not know. Uh, our dad was a high school principal and he had a love of history. So that was passed down. And when we were younger, my dad was on a, a board that we got to travel the United States. So we got to see some of the national parks and we probably hit 40 states uh, or so. So whenever I was younger and Drew was younger, we got to see where real things in American history took place. So add all these things together. Uh, and that made me, uh, you know, a lover of history. And that's awesome. That's awesome. No, uh, 
And I don't know if I, I think I've told you this, but I haven't told Drew this. Uh, and I may have told Drew this, but uh, without Drew, uh, I had always had an idea of uh, that I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, but it was uh, that year, my junior year. Uh, luckily, I had him probably for I think I think I had him for three classes, three class periods in a row. So he made the comment. I'm to sorry. My dad. <laughs> he made the comment to my dad that, you know, I'm seeing Zach more than you guys are. And <laughs> that was the truth. Uh, when you combine um, the classes and also uh, baseball as well. So, yeah, he was totally a huge influence on me to, to want to become an educator and um, and be honest with you, I still haven't seen a history teacher uh, teach as well as he did. And and the, the bring it back to um, what your experience was, P, with Diane, Drew really did a good job of bringing history alive. And so I've always kept that in the back of my mind whenever I'm teaching, especially, uh, of course, now with special education. If I can entice them by uh, making whatever we're, whatever the content is come alive and make it relevant to them, uh, then I have them hooked. And so it seems to be working right now in the classes uh, that I have. So I just want to yeah. that. I know if he knew that. He's so. doing a great job for us. Yeah, I'm fired up for it. It's been a blast. Um, so here's uh, my favorite question. I say it every week and it truly is. I think it tells a lot about a human being. So I don't know if you guys are ready, but I am. I'm buckled up and ready to go. Favorite lunch day item and why? Um, one of my favorite quotes, Zach, is when people ask me what my favorite food is, I, I say prepared. Um, so uh, generally speaking, if there is a, a free lunch, um, I will find my way into it and, and most definitely take on uh, any food that anyone is willing to give up. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think just a general like a chicken sandwich, something easy. Uh, you know, I've, I've tried. I've, I was reading uh, not too long ago about Steve Jobs and he ate the same thing every day for lunch as it was one less thing that he had to think about. Uh, and so I think that um, you know, I've tried to adopt a little bit of that philosophy to keep it simple so I don't have to think too much about it in the morning uh, whenever I'm preparing something. But uh, I also enjoy the days where, you know, it's. Uh, you know, let's take just a moment, let's collect our thoughts, maybe with some colleagues and go out and have lunch so we can continue the conversation about what we are, uh, you know, what we have been working on. So it kind of just depends on the purpose of the day. But uh, if, if the free lunch is available, I will, uh, I will find it and I will accept it. Yeah, for me, um, I think it's pepperoni all day. <laughs> that's what everybody loves that's what i liked uh, when i was younger that's what i like now a lot of times i'll take my lunch to school but even now uh, if we're having pepperoni rolls uh, i'll save my lunch for later and eat that pepperoni roll and that goes back to probably elementary school or middle sadly, school uh, sadly we don't have pepperoni roll day at the uh, department of education it's, uh, it's something <laughs> i most definitely miss about not being in a building anymore. graziano's is right down the street from you there so, yeah close. yeah yeah Drew, I'm gonna to have to I'm gonna to have to steal you a pepperoni roll or two, probably. I'm gonna to have to do it. It's it's gonna to have to happen. I'm sorry, it's just gonna to have to happen because you're missing out on the gloriousness of what uh, I, I make rolls. my own, Zach, and they. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to make my own. I appreciate it. The I mean, it, I could talk about pepperoni rolls all day. I really could. It's just there's just a type, <laughs> just perfect. Uh, I, I'm more of a doughy type guy. I like that. Uh, but and that's awesome. Uh, P, I, I just want to be honest there. If we're keeping score of what a correct answer is, I think you got it there. Yeah. Uh, pepperoni roll. <laughs> Game over right there. <laughs> pepperoni roll. Uh, so both of you guys mentioned earlier uh, 
what your favorite teacher in school was. Um, I think PE sort of mentioned it, but I want to go over it again. Uh, who was your favorite teacher in school and why? And, and I know PE probably you know mentioned Diane, but maybe elaborate a little bit more of, of why uh, she was um, so important to you. It's okay, sure. Funny, yeah, she, well, go, go ahead. Well, it, I was gonna say it's funny that you know, we, we were both fortunate to have Diane as a teacher, mm -hmm. um, and I was fortunate to have uh, to, to uh, teach for Diane and then act as an assistant principal um, alongside uh, Diane whenever she was a principal. Uh, and I think that this question is always really interesting. And, and the thing that you find, and I've asked this a number of times to, to um, individuals I'm doing trainings, and it's it's funny because regardless of who you ask this question, I'll echo the same thing with Diane Smith. And I haven't, I was fortunate to have a number of others, both at the high school and, and uh, the collegiate level that I could mention here. But the, the, the purpose, the, the second part of your question is actually as far as why I think is real interesting. And these are always people that have an excellent knowledge of the content that can really push you that meet you with high expectations every day. I think the reason that you really remember these people is because of the way that they made you feel as a person. And so there's people that can take the, um, you know, when I think about the people, I don't know that I could put one above the other. I mean, I think there's a number that would be at that upper, upper tier and upper echelon. But at the end of the day, it's how they made you feel when you walked in your, your, in their room. And I think that's, you know, the ultimate challenge for us as educators is making sure that, that whenever people come into our room or, or whatever, no matter our knowledge of the content, that we can allow them to feel appreciated, deserved, that we can challenge them and support them regardless of whatever it is. And so I think that that's the second part of your question makes the real interesting one. And that stays consistent throughout people that I'm, uh, I've asked this question to in, in trainings and seminars. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I mean, Drew's, Drew's right. That he basically said everything that Diane did for me. Um, she, she cared about me as a person, as a student. She was a master at both English and social studies. Uh, I mean, to hear her explain the run-up to the Civil War, this, the, the antebellum period is still my favorite time period to study. Uh, when I, you know, I try to read as much as I can, and especially like to focus on that time period. And she's probably one of the big reasons because that was the time period I had her, her class in. But I mean, she, she taught me to be a better writer, a better reader, uh, the connection, the, uh, the relevance of the subject to, to bring things to life. And it was just, I mean, I probably had a little bit of innate love for history, but it, I mean, she could have taught me marble playing and, and been a great teacher of marbles. Um, it, she just has, she has that, the care. Um, you know, I remember I had a, an in-school baseball game my junior year. We played. Um, I think we played St. Albans. I could be wrong. But anyway, what I remember about that, not whether we won or lost, but I remember after the game, we had a test that day. She told me I could take it the next day, but I, I cared enough about her class that I went in after the ball game. Everybody's done. She cared enough about me that I could take the test that I'd prepared for after the ball game. So uh, to me, she's – and I had some great – Rosie Rhodes was a great, great science teacher. Uh, and not to – I don't want to miss people's names because I had some very, very good teachers. Uh, but Diane to me was uh, – you know, the most effective for me and, and the one I, I still talk to this day. Yeah, Diane, I can't uh, say enough nice things about her. Uh, I know, I think, I believe it was my senior year. Um, and even when I, when, even when I text her, she's always asking, you know, what, what are you learning about now? And, and when, yeah. and, and, and goes both ways. So it's, uh, I have the highest uh, respect of her. Um, 
you know, she, um, she still sends uh, me letters and stuff too. Uh, and which I, is awesome. It's just amazing to me. Um, so it's, again, she's a special lady, special educator, a special person. And, um, can't say that enough, but yeah, it's, it's, and Drew, I can really, to be honest with you, I can see her influence, uh, on you because you did the same thing for me, uh, that, uh, what Diane did, you helped me uh, become a better writer. And I know it was in the context of the, the AP class, but, uh, that's always helped me, um, going forward. I certainly wouldn't have started a blog or anything like that, or have had the confidence, uh, without your help and guidance. And I, you know, anytime I'm going to write, I think I hear your voice, my dad would say to be a disembodied head just floating around uh, but uh but uh yeah it's uh, well zach it's hard to escape trauma so i apologize uh for the uh what, what i put you through <laughs> yeah yeah it uh no you did you did awesome and uh, not a day goes by that i don't think about uh that class and how i want that to feel in the classroom so um it's awesome i appreciate it um zach we're losing you Oh, losing me here. Let's try this. Let's go with that. Yeah. That's probably better. I don't even see my face anyways, <laughs> but anyways, um, again, not a day goes by that. I, um, don't think about that class and, uh, and how, um, how impactful it was on me and how I'd like that on my, for my students when they come in the classroom, how I want them to feel, even if we're in a pandemic, uh, if they, if we can forget a little bit of, of what's going on for a little bit and gets and get learning done and, and also to check up on them as on a personal level and to help them out. Uh, that's worth its yeah, weight. And I mean, uh, not to, not to go off topic here, Zach, but I think there's an interesting opportunity and we've been talking about this with um, the beginning principal cohort that we have for the um, Western school leadership network. And, and the last two weeks we've had presentations on um, leadership and trying times. And then today about, you know, supporting students, um, uh, student needs with uh, trauma, et cetera. And I think, you know, the conversation that we had as a group was, um, you know, even through um, this COVID situation um, and where we are, regardless of the difficulty, you know, be it COVID or opioids or whatever, that um, as an educator and as an educational leader, there is an opportunity in there. It's, it's often difficult to see, uh, but, you know, if you like and then think about from a history perspective with people like, um, you know, Harry Truman, if you think about Martin Luther King Jr. and you think about you know, people that really in the face of adversity, Abraham Lincoln, that, that really pushed through in the difficult times, um, I think that there's a lot to be learned in education as well as far as the opportunity that may be embedded um, in challenging and difficult times, um, which is um, another topic for conversation, but you hit on a note there that we've been talking a lot about. So, uh, Certainly true. Um, certainly true. I think this is a question I've been really interested in, in, in knowing, uh, understanding that your family is, uh, has done so much in education in West Virginia uh, and around uh, the country. Did you both always want to go into education? And if not, uh, what did you want to do? Or what did you want to do? And if you wanted to go into education, why? I'll, I'll, I'll start that one. Um, I think, pretty much my whole life I knew I wanted to be in education. I, my freshman year of college, I looked at accounting for about three seconds and then figured out I couldn't do the math. Um, but uh, no, I, I got to live a really good life. Drew did too with my dad and I fall and my mom too. My mom was a teacher. And um, I think as a, 
I often associate my profession with my dad because Drew and I are both in administration now. But, uh, you know, my parents, you know, I used to go to school with them when I was young during the summer months and especially uh, at Nitro with dad. And I got to see the type of lifestyle that they provided us uh, and the type of relationships they built with people. And, and the school staff became an extended family. Uh, and I, you know, for my mom and dad, and you develop friendships and bonds and you help people. And, uh, you know, if somebody's struggling, you, you try to help them. And if they're grieving, you grieve with them. And um, it's really, I mean, I love to learn, uh, but also like those personal relationships with people. So just seeing that as, a, as growing up, uh, you know, when I was younger, having access to a, a gym and a, a batting cage probably didn't hurt, but, uh, just the, the fact that you growing up in a school, literally, uh, I, there were really never thought about anything else other than being in education. Um, complete opposite. I, um, not opposite about understanding, appreciating the life that, that, you know, that we had a very positive, um, upbringing with education, but, um, I thought absolutely there was 0% chance um, that I was going to education, um, 0%. I was dead set on doing law. I like to argue. I thought I'm going to go into business law and I'm going to make a whole bunch of money and I'm going to get to argue with people all day. And then whenever I realized what many lawyers do um, in college, I started to think, well, that's not really what I want to do with my time. Um, you know, I don't want to be stuck writing briefs, et cetera. Et cetera. But, you know, what do I enjoy and appreciate? And uh, that was history. And I thought, well, you know, you can be a historian, um, which you know, the opportunities may not really be there, or you can teach history. Uh, and so um, I chose, uh, I took some education classes, got in front of a room full of students and uh, was able to start teaching and thought, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of right up my alley. It's something I enjoy. So I went from there, but it was most definitely not what I had anticipated. Well, I'm certainly thankful for it, um, and I think I think the uh, the perspective that you that you brought in, not necessarily uh, at first wing to to be in education, uh, allowed you to be sort of outside of the box, certainly. Um, and I think you, I think every teacher has this perspective. Well, I think most quality teachers should have this perspective of being the teacher that a uh, you loved having, and just making it your own or be the teacher you've, you always wanted to have. And, um, and I think um, that is certainly prominent. So I'm kind of getting the, into the regular questions, um, more in depth with you all specifically. Uh, what, is, what has been a key for both of you all to handle the stress of the pandemic? Um, I'll start that one too, Drew. Uh, well, when it first happened, I was doing a lot more running <laughs> and then I think I put on the quarantine 15. Uh, but uh, now nah, I've got a two and a half year old and, and, you know, that I, that is the driving force in my life. So uh, I get to play with Greer a lot. I have a great wife who, uh, you know, is a great mom to Greer and great wife to me. Uh, so I, I, you know, spend time with family. Um, I bought a new house last year and uh, I've cut the grass probably more times than it needs to be cut, but I kind of find that to be a relaxing thing. Um, so really family grass cutting. Um, I've read a couple books um, on presidents actually. Uh, so just kind of a variety of things. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've tried to, to, to keep up with as much of what's going on and, and be as knowledgeable 
Um, and I think, you know, stress often comes from the unknown uh, and stress comes from fear, uh, regardless of, you know, of fear of the unknown, et cetera. And so when you think about, you know, where those stressors come from, if you can do your best um, to mitigate that as much as possible. So you know, I've tried to stay abreast of what's going on with, you know, um, the numbers, the, the research that's out, um, you know, how others have coped with it, you know, um, had a great call with a district. Um, we were on the other day and, and there was a superintendent from a district in uh, Mississippi. And the guy had been there since 2005. So he had survived um, as a superintendent, Hurricane Katrina, the BP oil spill, a few other things, uh, and now COVID. Uh, and so, you know, thinking about um, others that have been in similar situations, I say similar very lightheartedly with where we are right now, just trying to understand where we are, I think, eliminates uh, a lot of that stress. If we can stay knowledgeable of the situation and, and not let the unknown kind of consume us. Yeah, I think that is uh, on both parts, uh, good advice. A, to uh, find something that can separate the, you know, the overwhelming uh, new reality that we are in. I know there's, a, for example, there's a student who uh, is that I, that I have and other teachers have that, that feel stressed. And um, I gave her the advice that I learned from Tim Corbin of Vanderbilt and uh, what he does every day. And he did even did this before the pandemic, but it, he said it helped him and his wife out a ton is he would just write down his whole day, map it out the night before. So he'd be prepared. And, uh, you know, if, and if something would arise, um, he could, you know, be level-headed about it. Not that Coach Corbin isn't already level-headed, uh, but um, it, I think that was good advice. I certainly do it. Um, I don't do it so much on a, on a whiteboard now. I do it more so on a planner. But it's, it's helped me, and I'm hoping it's helped a few of the other students that I've had, uh, educationally and personally. I don't know for a fact if that student does it, uh, but that was the best advice I could give that student. Uh, just to, just to uh, be able exactly. to... Exactly. I think it's a, that's, it's an interesting point because, you know, there, there's, there's definite research behind the brain that shows that you, uh, the brain is constantly looking for patterns. And so, again, back to that stress, when you break those patterns or you don't allow a pattern to exist, um, you know, so writing your day down and trying to keep that pattern, most, I think it's an excellent strategy for trying to uh, push some of that stress off to the side and keep a, a sense of normalcy, uh, again, as much as you possibly can right now. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Um, so here's a, a question I'm also was very interested in, in learning from both of y'all. What piece of advice uh, would you tell your first year self that's in education uh, well, sorry, what my question would be, what piece of advice would you tell yourself now to your first year self in education? <laughs> oh, uh, calm down, <laughs> uh, slow down. Um, you know, that's, uh, I, I think the, 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 what I have learned in, in, in the fortunate, you know, the number of different roles, and I don't know if Pete and I have never talked about this, I don't know if he feels the same way, is I think that um, in education, we are generally more prepared than what we think we are. Whenever we come into a new role, be that to be a teacher, assistant principal, principal, anything. So I think we're generally more prepared than what we believe we are, but I think a lot of the things that we think we know 
aren't necessarily true because it's our gut telling us one thing when the reality is not necessarily there. So if I would go back, I would say, you know, slow down, calm down uh, and, and, and listen maybe a little bit better, um, which has always been a struggle of mine. So um, maybe just slow down and listen. Yeah, a couple things. Um, I think my first year teaching, I walked in and I had to teach a 90 minute class and somehow ended up with the most difficult student that I ever had as a teacher on the first block uh, of my first day of teaching. And I, the kid actually taught me a lot on how to handle uh, our classroom management. But I think I'm, I wasn't a great planner to start off with. Uh, I, I do feel like I was overwhelmed a little bit because that's so much time to fill in a 90 minute block. So uh, if I'm looking back at 2003 PE, I'm saying uh, do a little bit better job planning, uh, work on differentiated instruction to have those different activities. Uh, but something I've really grown into that I feel is extremely important. And this maybe is something that comes from coaching, but also there's a lot of literature out there and study and education is feedback. You've got to give feedback to kids. And I think as first year teachers, we often feel like we've got to hit every benchmark and hit every objective. Uh, and we just move where that's not really the goal. Um, I know we've got to quote unquote cover topics and that's probably what I was concerned about back then. Uh, but as an administrator, I tried to give feedback to my teachers. Um, and as a teacher, I want, or I want my teachers. And if, if I'm teaching again, I want to give feedback to my kids because there's no way for me to know that they understand it unless I get feedback or get, I, get feedback and get feedback. I, I think, you know, Pete, that's maybe what I was alluding to as well as the fact that I think that we're generally more equipped than what we think that we are. We know the skills and we know the strategies, but it's, are we listening to the right stuff? You know, so I mean, going back to my first year, you hear things, you hear buzzwords and it's easy to push them off, but do you take the time to listen to, to really think about what the meaning is behind what someone is asking you to do, be it your principal, your superintendent, um, et cetera. And are we really focusing on the purpose behind what's there? You know, for instance, and feedback is, is I think uh, uh, an outcome of really listening to you know what the research shows um, and, and how to move students in, in the best direction so um, instead of just thinking oh this is just one more thing we have to do really trying to listen to, to what the the why is behind it yeah the why is uh certainly uh, super important um no question about it um it's something that i think i picked up from coaching is uh and, and probably around really good educators is I'm not going to go forward, even though uh, I'm not going to go forward unless I know that the students can teach me it. Um, that's something I've implemented with geometry is um, and coaching. I usually throw throw at them several options to solve a problem, and uh, we'll try them all out, and they'll try them all out, and whatever works best for them, uh, that's what we're going to use, and that's what that student's going to use. And I think that goes uh, so far beyond just geometry. I think that goes along with life. And, and for me, certainly with coaching, uh, I'm going to give them uh, several options to solve a problem. And when they do that, uh, they're going to find out and be, become self-aware on how to solve the, the problem. So uh, for example, I have a student with autism and who typically struggles with uh, math and uh, he took a quiz and he was just one step away from solving the problem hundred percent correctly. And, and I actually, I pulled him over and I said, look, um, you, the grade book may tell you one thing, but as I've told the rest of you all is 
I'm process oriented. I'm going to focus on your growth in the process because the results will come only if that process is quality. And, and so I told him, I'm super proud of you because it would be, it was, it was complicated for him at the beginning of the the year. uh, I would get more of a deer in the heads like look if I, you know, when showed him the problem that he, that he had. And, uh, and now it's through him teaching me (laughs) through him teaching me and, and using retrieval skills to actually learn from doing this with uh, Patrice Bain. Um, it really, really transformed uh, me into helping him become his uh, best version of himself as a learner. So um, totally agree with both of your statements on, on this. Um, great answers, by the way. I think that's super helpful uh, for anyone who listens uh, to this. So, um, so what was your favorite, what are your favorite uh, educational philosophies and uh, theories in education and why? Well, I, I guess I'll go. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't live my educational life by a specific theory. Um, but one of the, I kind of realized after doing walkthroughs and, and observations on one of the best health teachers I've ever worked with, uh, Tank Scarborough at St. Albans, that, that I subscribe to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, uh, cause I think that like, I, I believe in relationships and, 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 uh, building positivity, giving the positive feedback to people. Even if you have to uh, give constructive criticism, I still like the positivity sandwich. One of my flaws as, a, as an administrator is I think sometimes I'm a little slow to kick somebody in the butt if they need it because uh, I try to build on positive. Um, and I know Maslow talks about you, you can't move on to like self-actualization until you have the things you need uh, and you build up off of those, re- off of those basic needs up into feeling welcomed, feeling like you're part of something. And then ultimately, as Zach, you just kind of mentioned self-actualization and, and, and understanding who you are and being the best you. Uh, so I guess I really, I learned by being in Tank's class, oddly enough, that that's really something I believe in. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan and there's a, uh, an old ECW, the guy that used to run ECW is Paul Hammond. And he always talked about accentuate the positive accentuate the positive. I think that's kind of my attitude uh, to education and just relationships in general, find the positive, build on the positive, make people feel welcome. um, And and you get the best out of people if you're good to them. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, in the the last few years, I've um, done a lot of work in um, the the effective schools work that uh, Dr. Larry Lazat and some others Oh, this dates back to the, even the, the 1960s. Um, and the idea behind it is a, 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 a learning for all mission that schools need to be, you know, there are uh, correlates of effective schools. And again, this is, um, Bryce, you might've heard this whenever your career first started, <laughs> feels like it's come and gone. But, you know, you know it's, we've talked about it and our, our former state superintendent, Dr. Payne was, um, uh, a, a firm believer in this and kind of opened my eyes to it, which is real interesting that, you know, so I, I don't know that it's a particular philosophy, but it, it is that, you know, we have um, a responsibility and a duty in schools to make sure that we are providing for all students and all means all, and that we are meeting their individual needs and that we are creating cultures and climates that are 
uh, appropriate and celebratory of diversity uh, and you know individual differences, uh, and that you know we are adjusting uh, when you know it's not a, a, a teacher-focused um, environment, but it's a, a learner-focused and even more so, it's an individual-focused environment. Uh, and I think saying learner-focused is good, but I don't think it takes it to the degree that allows us to really meet the individual need and it lumps all learners together. So I think whenever you really dive into this, um, it's uh, Ron Edmonds, uh, sorry, had the original uh, uh, work back in the 1960s. And he has a quote um, that I kind of alluded to earlier that talks about, you know, uh, the general premise is uh, that we um, are equipped to meet the needs of all students, whether or not we choose to do it uh, is up to us. So um, that's just kind of a, it's a little bit different. It's not necessarily a, a mainstream philosophy as you might just open up in a, in a textbook today or in a you know, Google search, but it's, um, it's definitely something that's helped shape my view about our responsibility. Uh, excellent. Um, and, and I agree, I, I, but all of this uh, really trying to put a, a cherry on top of the conversation, so to speak, or, or a ribbon or a bow to, to tie us all up. Um, one thing that, uh, that I've really had the privilege to kind of tie together with, with both of y'all tonight is, is sort of what Alan Yeager said last, uh, last week when he was uh, finishing up when we're talking about mindfulness and it was talking about getting to know, uh, your students and your student athletes better. It's, you know, they don't, they don't care how much, you know, until, uh, you show them how much you care about them. And that's certainly, uh, what both of you do, I think on a daily basis, uh, I know, I get, I get the privilege to be with PE each day. And I certainly see that he goes out of his way to, to check out on, on, I feel like every teacher. And I think that that's rare uh, for an administrator. I, I think that separates good to, to great. And, uh, and I know certainly, I think before P on the call, a lot of students at, at Hurricane have really appreciated the, the procedures that he's done for their safety. And I forgot to tell him that today, but they oh, certainly... Sorry. Yeah, they do. They do. And they, they're talking about, you know, the difference between what's happening at the middle school and the high school. And they appreciate the con, con, uh, contact tracing uh, because they feel safer. They'll, you know, they, under, we feel, they, they appreciate the preparedness. And um, I thought that was, that was awesome. Cause I was like, you know, when you're in a leadership position and you hear that from someone who is, who is uh, living through uh, your vision and you hear that, and you kind of get chill bumps. And I, I did too. Cause I was like, man, that's awesome. You know. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you shared that because, I, I mean, conversations I, I've, I've had with our kids, I've tried to tell them because it is not the same as what it's been. Because we have, I mean, Zach, when you came, and I'm, I'm off topic right now and I'll jump back on, but when you came to Hurricane, one of the first things I told you about is our culture, and I brag about it all the time. Um, and and this, is a, this is a challenge because, um, for everyone, uh, but our kids aren't able to do the things that it makes Hurricane feel as inclusive and special uh, as it traditionally does. And I've tried to communicate that with their kids. And I think most of them get that we're doing it for their safety. You um, know, and I know some are disappointed that they can't do some of the things they used to do, but you know, our goal is to keep the doors open and the kids in front of, in front of our teachers, if they want to be there or virtual, if they want to do that, but we want to, we want to keep the, the facility open and learning going on. Uh, and I think most of our kids are, have been receptive to that and just try to tell them every day you know, why we're doing what we're doing. So important to tell them why. And I know some, some older school teachers and coaches are always like, well, you know, why do I have to tell them the reason why? Well, 
it, we just have to. And I think you get even quicker buy-in. I think if, if you would do that even back in their day, so to speak, you'd get more buy-in uh, because, you know, why, you know, why am I doing this? I, I've, he's given me a reason, no reason to, to believe it. Uh, so certainly I, I think giving a purpose behind what you're doing is, is very important. Um, I want to go into uh, differentiated instruction a little bit. I know it wasn't, tech, wasn't on our uh, question list, but I know P or you brought it up. How would you improve with differentiated instruction? Because I think, I think a lot of potential, um, teachers when they're, when they're going through college struggle with it. And I think even new teachers when they get in and even veteran teachers kind of struggle with it. What would be your advice on it? Um, I mean, you have different, different people learn different ways. And one of the, I mean, probably the first way I really learned that was coaching baseball. I mean, I had a, I had a guy that hit off his front foot and we'd worked with him to try to get him, you know, keep his weight back and he couldn't do it. So he hit off his front foot and he hit like 390 that year. And I was like, well, we're going to work with what he does. So, you know, different, it define what works for people. Um, you know, as a teacher, I guess my advice would be, don't be afraid to fail at something because it's not really a failure, but if something doesn't work, that's an opportunity to get better. So you can try different instructional strategies. You can try different projects. You can try different uh, assignments and assessments, be creative because it is a, it's a practice and you're going to pick up pieces throughout the years that you find are very effective uh, you can polish them. You'll find stuff that you do, then it, it stinks and you'll never do it again. Uh, but that's what makes teachers. One of the things that makes great teachers great is that they're willing to get outside the box, outside their comfort zone, uh, try different types of uh, assignments, assessments, you know, lessons. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of different learners out there and we have to work with what the kids have. We can't make them robots. We don't want them to be robots. I think to, to add a little bit to that, Zach, is that, um, um, you know, to, to what PE said, number one, talk to the people around you, share ideas, um, read, research, et cetera. Um, that, you know, don't just, don't just trust your gut on the basis of whether or not a student has learned or has not learned something. We relate that back to the data. And, you know, I think that if we are, um, if I come in and do an observation in your class or have a conversation about an assessment that you've designed, and I say, well, how do you know that uh, PE learned this? He said, well, you got a 90% on it. He's learned it, right? You got 90%. No, that means you got 90%. How he learned it, how do you know that he learned it? It's a different conversation than what is the grade or the proficiency that he got, especially in a lot of our um, um, formative assessments. And so what I think that we need to do is, number one, think about the assessments and the teaching that we are doing and really think and assess, do these truly measure student learning? And can you prove it? And so then at that point, we have to make sure we have an accurate barometer of what a student has learned. And at the same time, what that does is that saves a teacher, an administrator, a lot of um, energy potentially to make sure that, you know, that, that, that we're cutting out some of the, you know, the, the quote unquote fluff or, or things that maybe aren't really accurately measuring um, student learning. But then I think, you know, that the big part is to, like I, I mentioned, talk to the people around you. We have experts in every building and every school inside of the state, regardless of if they are the highest achieving school in the state's accountability index or they're the lowest achieving school. We have excellent teachers in every single building inside of the state. And so if we talk to each other, we have conversations, you know, that's one of the things that I think PE can, um, would, would share as well that we both benefited from is 
you know, being part of, you know, statewide organizations and <clears throat> if we go to conferences or whatnot, you know, trying to find those other people that we can share ideas and talk to. And I think when you do that, you know, it's the, the, the word differentiated can scare a lot of people and it can, it can really put people in a corner because I think, well, I don't know how else to do it. You don't have to do it by yourself if you're making sure that what you're doing is accurate in the first place. And then asking people around, hey, you know, Zach, what did you do to teach this concept? I'm, I'm struggling to get some different ideas. So there's plenty of resources out there. We're connected with everyone in the world, um, you know, through Zoom or through Microsoft Teams or Google or Twitter or whatever. So talk to people. Certainly true. And I think uh, Miss Polk's on here. I'm not 100% sure, but she's been um, a blessing for me. Super helpful. Um, I know she's my mentor teacher. So, uh, but it's funny. We were talking about the other day about, you know, technically through the, the, the first year teacher training, you're only supposed to meet twice a month. Well, I see her every single day. <laughs> and, and that's because I want to. Um, she's a wealth of knowledge and a really good teacher and super caring about her students and, and just hearing from other students talk about her. Uh, it's, they, they truly care about her because they know that they, uh, that she has their backs and uh, that's awesome uh, to yeah. hear. And Zach, she'll be, she'll be a men, she'll be a mentor, not just for a year either, or yeah. two years or five years. I mean, she'll be a person you'll talk to your whole career. Yeah. That's right. And she's, she's awesome. She's first class um, and she's first yeah. class for a reason. And, and she's a good teacher for a reason. It's all because of yes. how empathetic she is and, 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 and talk about differentiating instruction. Uh, she does a good job of that too. Um, so I have only a couple more questions here. Uh, this is one of my favorite questions that I like to ask everyone who's, who's on the show. What separates a great educator from a good educator? Drew, you want to start that? Where do you want me to go? Um, I can. It's, that's a, that's a tough, um, that's a tough question, Zach, because I think that um, you know you have great educators for particular individuals. You know, for instance, that um, if I have, if I as an individual student have a connection with an educator, I may have that connection. That person may save my life, provide me with opportunities, et cetera. And that you know, I'm, that person's a great educator to me. But I think whenever you think about, generally speaking, from the context of you know a general definition of difference between good and great. I think one of the things that's really important, the first thought that comes to mind is those that can sell, uh, separate the, what their gut tells them and what the research shows and are able to blend um, kind of the, the mix between the both, that they understand you know, how to take and own information that is presented to them. Your great educators are people that are thirsty and hungry that always want to get better. Uh, that, you know, they're the people that whenever you say, well, there's a challenge here that they say, that's okay, we're, we're going to get it fixed. Uh, and that they see the whole scope of the school as a community, as an extension of the community. And so, you know, that, that they think that, for instance, if they're a teacher in, um, in uh, Boone County, that they're uh, not only students of Boone County are theirs, but also the students in uh, Braxton, in Berkeley, in, in Mon, that they have an ownership of every student uh, and, and the general culture of what school and education is. And they take their job very seriously uh, and they take pride in it and, and they want to be the best uh, that they can be and they constantly learn. So I mean, I think there's a number of pieces in there, but uh, you know, people that are constantly willing to get better and want to get better, um, and I think is, is uh, most definitely a trait that you have to have. 
Yeah, I, I agree with Drew on that. Um, I would say you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love being around kids. I mean, that's that's one of the first things you gotta do. You can't, you can't be cold to kids or just neutral uh, to be a great educator. You gotta love the people you work with. You gotta love the kids you work with. You gotta have a passion for learning. You gotta be a lifelong learner. You gotta read. Um, you gotta stay up to date on things. Um, you've got to uh, it's, love your content too. And that's something Drew talked about at the very beginning. Um, you know, I, gosh, I remember I was in science, I was in Rosie Rose biology class in 10th grade. We had a guy who has like a doctorate in biology. Guy couldn't teach a lick because he was just, he was cold. I mean, he wasn't that on purpose. He just didn't have the, he didn't have the human touch um, where Rosie did. Uh, so you have to care about the people. You have to love the content. You got to constantly learn. Um, and, and that, I mean, that's, I don't know. Uh, the teaching is an art. I mean, there is a science to it because obviously there's a lot of data, especially now, uh, that we've utilized, to try to tell how people have learned and, and data is important. Uh, but there's uh, kind of a innate or intrinsic piece that, that great teachers have, uh, that can be grown, but I think to some extent, uh, you got it or you don't a little bit. Uh, and if you got it, you know, you got to nurture it and, uh, and, and see it grow. Awesome. Uh, and I think that's so true. You have to be on a hunt to get uh, 1% better every single day. Uh, and that's a promise I, I gave my students. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I've told my students at hurricane this, but I also told them in student teaching when I was at Capitol I told them uh, I intentionally when I ride, when I drive to school, I intentionally uh, throw a podcast on whether that's uh, teaching one or coaching one, uh, because I want to be the best version of myself that day for them, for their benefit, uh, because they, they deserve it. If they're in my classroom or if they're on the baseball field, uh, they deserve uh, the best version of myself, because if, if they're not uh, benefiting from me, uh, then uh, I'm wasting their time. And, and it's not the truth, honestly. You know, I don't, I don't have to do that. Uh, but I do it because um, I want to give them the best knowledge base that I have um, to that day. So both uh, are excellent questions. And I wholeheartedly agree upon um, getting better every day, learning, collaborating, because um, learning doesn't stop when after you uh, graduate from college, whatever level you, uh, you know, it's, it's an everyday thing. And the interactions you have with, with people are so important uh, because you could really honestly uh, spark an idea within them and, and change their belief on something and, and go after their goal that they've been, you know, maybe second guessing about. So excellent. Excellent. Um, just one, uh, one more kind of tough question, so to speak. Um, what is the biggest obstacle or problem that you have struggled with in education and how do you overcome it? Um, I'll, I'll start that one, Drew, I guess. Uh, I would say one of the most challenging things I did, I was at St. Albans as an assistant principal of discipline from 2012 to 2016. Uh, 16, the beginning of 16, I became the curriculum assistant principal. Uh, and Jeff Kelly's principal at St. Albans at the time had initiated a new schedule, had initiated a daily collaborative, which I was in charge of. Um, 
And so the teachers knew me, but they were a little bit leery of the schedule because there was, they didn't have a, everybody's prep was at the beginning of the day. So once you started the day, you were moving and there wasn't much of a break. Uh, so I've got to come up with a way to do collaborative. Teachers nervous about the new schedule. Uh, the air conditioning quit working over that summer and we had a huge mold issue. <laughs> so I walk into that and the teachers, even though they knew me as a discipline person, they didn't know me as a curriculum person, you know, as well as they would. Uh, intentions were very high. I mean, this is a, like, right now we're living in an extremely challenging time too, but I'm, I'm not going to talk about now. I'm going to talk about that cap experience. And, and what happened was I felt like, I mean, I went to, I collaborated with Dale Glancy, who's one of the assistant principals, um, did some research online, talked to some teachers about what they needed. And the way that, I think the way that I won the staff over was I won the people who could either make or break me over. I included them in, uh, in my collaboration. Uh, the English department was very good at St. Albans, but it could have, if, if I didn't win them over, especially one or two teachers, it could have been a long year for me. Uh, but they sh I showed them that I cared uh, about the about collaboration, about their subject. And I went to each department and I kind of found what they needed or I talked to them about what they needed. I didn't make just some type of blanket. Hey, here's what we're doing just because, you know, we're all going to do the same thing. So the math collaborative looked different than the English and the business looked different than the social studies and so on. Um, but that was a big challenge because people were nervous. The school wasn't functioning properly from a mechanical standpoint. Um, but I was able to work with teachers and, and thank God for the English chair because winning her over and I truly, I think I did win her over. She wasn't just being nice. Uh, that made my life so much better. And it was a very enjoyable time. Yeah. You know, there's, I think what you you'll realize, Zach, is you know, there's a number of, of challenges that are that are met. You know, we could talk about you know the, the individual needs of students, um, you know, the, the difficult um, situations that kids are coming to us from. You think about COVID right now. You think you know um, two teacher strikes. You think about um, the uh, water crisis a few years ago. Whatever it may be. You know, maybe one of the big challenges is, is, is trying to get everyone to understand that regardless of, um, of whatever's going on around us, there still is, um, you know, a, a responsibility to move forward and, and, and navigate those waters. Uh, and I think that we are seeing that it's, um, you know, the world we live in anymore is not a world where it's, you know, smooth sailing all the time, but it seems like there's always something else that's coming up. Uh, sometimes it's our inside of our control, sometimes it's outside of our control. And I think that that is um, the toughest thing is getting people to understand that some things that you may feel very uh, passionately about and think this is not my fault, it's outside of my control actually may be well within the reach of your control. Maybe not your control, but you can influence it. Uh, and there are plenty of examples to show otherwise. So getting people to uh, kind of break down some of the perceptions that they have uh, and the ideas that they have that may not be rooted uh, in um, a lot of theory, but are rooted in some, some opinions, um, I think is, uh, is, is very difficult. And that's on both sides. That's both as educational professionals, and that's, you know, individuals whose parents maybe had 
um, you know, very difficult time in school and bad experiences. When we have their, their sons and daughters that come to school, you know, a lot of times, if we don't meet them with a, a warm and welcoming environment, uh, it's going to be very difficult for us. And so getting us to understand that, you know, we do have an ability to control things that maybe we think are outside of our control. Awesome. Uh, again, this has been a wealth of information. Uh, and before I lead to my last question here, I, I, I want to thank you both for spending uh, an hour of your time. I know both of you all are, are very, very uh, busy, especially now when you had a pandemic on top of it. Um, you would have been busy in, in normal times, but you're even busier now because of the uh, irregularity of, of the coronavirus. Uh, so I appreciate you taking time to not only help me improve, uh, but help everyone who is on the on this Zoom call here improve. I know certainly I have, and there's certainly uh, going to be a few thoughts that I'll, I'll bring to school tomorrow um, to improve the students who I uh, will be teaching. Uh, but I know both of you guys uh, love to learn. And uh, what would be uh, some resources, whether that's uh, books, podcasts, um, et cetera, uh, that, that you all kind of consistently lean towards uh, to learn and, and improve in your in this profession? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think, you know, I've, I've been fortunate in the role that I'm in now to have a lot of opportunity to, to um, experience um, kind of the, the stuff that's out there, Zach. And, um, you know, I will say, you know, the Western Department of Ed website, we have um, quite a few resources and, and we're getting ready to um, really do an overhaul uh, and expand um, some of those that, that are out there. Um, there's a Hanover research. If you have an opportunity to ever see anything that Hanover does is, is fantastic. Um, we worked with, um, uh, did some work with, uh, Dr. Mark Wilson out of Georgia. He has a blog, the principal matters. It's principal-matters.com. Mark will provide a lot of really good research. Uh, principal Kefele, Barute Kefele from, um, from New Jersey. He's very active on Twitter, runs a website, does a lot of blogs. Yeah, there's a lot of activities out there and it's kind of funny if you start in one particular area, uh, what you will find is most of these people at the national level that are really um, revered and really on top of things kind of run in the same circles, uh, in the same social online circles. And you might find a blog link from you know, Mark Wilson linking to Principal Kefele, Principal Kefele may link something to this person, et cetera. Uh, and, and, you know, they will, they will research and, and, and talk about the same thing. So, you know, find, find a few active people and, and start to kind of dive into some rabbit holes if you see references in there about a particular topic. You know, I think um, a big piece that I've been uh, looking at recently is um, you know, equity. Um, and two of the best people that I could have ever, you know, could ever recommend about equity. One is Pedro Nogueiro out of UCLA. Pedro Nogueiro is absolutely fantastic when you hear him speak about equity. If you ever have a chance to see him speak in person, I highly recommend it. And probably the biggest life-changing uh, event that I've ever seen as far as a speaker goes was uh, Dr. Adolph Brown. Uh, he's out of uh, Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia, I think. Uh, Dr. Brown is fantastic on equity, implicit bias, the brain science, et cetera, and uh, would highly recommend uh, looking up, uh, like I said, um, just some names right off the top, Principal Kefele, Brute um, Brute Kefele, uh, Dr. Mark Wilson out of Georgia, um, Steve Grunert for School Culture. Um, 
Dr. Adolph Brown uh, for Implicit Bias and Equity. And um, if I have any others, I'll, I'll let you know that, that come to mind. All right. Well, I, I don't have quite that Rolodex of names, Drew, but um, no, I, I, my time as a CAP exposed me. I, I pull a lot of stuff off the ASCD website, read several of the books. They probably had a lot of good publications out there. Um, did some SREB training over a couple a couple years and, and pulled some good books out of there. Why Assignments Matter is one of the ASCD books that I read as a CAP. We talked about uh, feedback and um, uh, formative assessments. Uh, one of the things we did when I was at St. Albans, and, and, and I know that uh, Hurricane did this actually before I got there, they developed power standards, and there's literature out there about that. The, the three things that we really try to focus on at Hurricane's high-order thinking, you can look at Webb or even Blooms. We, we use Blooms uh, at Hurricane right now. Uh, we use Valentine's IPI also. We've modified it, but engagement's so important. Um, and then the third thing we do is, is feedback and um, and. Uh, yeah, feedback is what I'm trying to say. Uh, maybe the most resourceful uh, things that I have out there that, that it's just the connect, the people connection. And Drew mentioned that earlier, but like if I've got questions, you know, I'll talk to Drew. If I got questions, I call Jeff Kelly. He's now superintendent at Lincoln County, but was principal at St. Albans. Uh, George Allenbach is a close friend of mine. I talked to George, Mike Kelly, if I need to talk to him. Um, Dale Glantz at St. Albans, assistant principal. So different people that give you perspective. There's people at, in Putnam County. I talk to my assistants. I talk to teachers in the building if I want perspective. So just keep your keep your net wide for people who are on the ground with you, uh, because there's there's few things that can teach you uh, like experience, and maybe not the experience that you had, but somebody else's experience, and you can beg, borrow, and steal from their experience and make you a better educator. So. Build your network, expand out beyond just your office or your classroom, uh, and that, that'll help a lot. Yeah, I think uh, one of the most important people in your network is, um, and he has all the answers almost all the time, is Bryce Casto. Well, you're right about that. I was going to say, too, yeah, honest to God, if I have a question about athletics, I text Bryce yesterday about a homeschool thing. Heather Halls is the assistant principal in AD with me. And Heather and I, if we don't know the answer, I'm like, call Bryce or text, I'll text Bryce and try to find out. So, he uh, he's always good to to get back with me. Uh, also, I like uh, Mickey. Mickey still puts out. I still read his uh, updates, Doctor Blackwell's updates, and I find that really resort or really useful because it's a lot of educational issues that are relevant to our region and our state. Um, so I, I love those emails, and I only took a couple classes. Drew and I did uh, at state uh, to get our superintendent certificate, but. I've seen some really, really good stuff on there that I try to check out every time he, he posts. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, some about my dad and uh, probably the best piece of advice I've ever received was uh, it was, it was more so a piece of coaching advice, but it's so uh, relevant with education is um, and, and we're more connected now due to social media in uh, a piece of advice is uh, reach out to the best in the world learn what they do and to make it your own. Uh, and there's another quote from another coach that I've heard of, you know, the best teachers and coaches are the ones that are also the best thieves. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but again, like I said, I, you know, plagiarism, it's always been something in my mind of, you know, make it your own, uh, whatever you take, make it your own because not every situation is similar. Uh, it may rhyme well, but it, it's, it's not, it's not the same. Um, so, um, 
the course you two both uh, pretty much stated that perfectly. Um, but again, I want to thank you all uh, for coming and, and of course listening to these two uh, people who I, who I hold in the highest of regards. I think they are uh, two people that um, bleed <laughs> education and live um, and live uh, as, as great role models in this profession. And uh, two people that I think if you reach out to them, they're definitely going to help you. Um, yep. And I think that's that's certain for I think anyone we've had on, but uh, definitely true uh, for these two individuals. They want to improve education not only in the Mountain State, but you know across the country. Uh, because if uh, if, if anyone has questions, comments, concerns, uh, you know specifically uh, related to the topics we talked about tonight, or even in general. Um, our office is the Office of Leadership Support. Um, and so, you know, we can get you in touch with the right people at the Department of Ed. So feel free to, uh, my contact information is on the Department of Ed's website. Uh, feel free to reach out, shoot me an email. And uh, if I don't know the answer, I promise I'll get you in, in touch with someone who, uh, who does or someone that can help. Yeah, my info is her, on Hurricane High's uh, webpage too. I, I've helped people I don't know, because uh, if you have an interest in education, I'll do my best to help. So if there's anybody out there that needs anything that I can help with, shoot me an email, try to help you. Perfect. Perfect. Again, uh, thank you. Uh, thank both of y'all for, for coming on. Uh, this has been awesome. And I think everyone who's been on here has certainly gotten better this evening. And uh, so again, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Zach, it's an, it's an honor to be on with you. Uh, you're doing a heck of a job. I'll tell a quick story before I let you go. Uh, for anybody listening, uh, Zach had to help one of the parents out, students out a couple weeks ago with a, a Schoology issue. I call him, he comes right down, he fixes the issue in about three seconds, and the lady says, I love you, Mr. Casto. So uh, he got his first taste of, uh, of, of, of positive feedback from a parent. But Zach's doing a great job. He's going to be an educa a great educator. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he comes from wonderful stock. Uh, Bryce is one of the best I've ever worked with, too, so. I'm uh, looking forward to the great things you're doing, Zach. Keep it up, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you inviting us. And uh, with that, um, if no one has a particular question, I would like to get out of this suit and uh, get to bed soon. It's been a long day. I don't Turn your camera you. off before you get out of that suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mic drop moment right there. That's a mic drop I'm aware, moment. I'm aware of the Zoom etiquette. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, thank you once again, and I appreciate you all so much. Uh, this has been an awesome episode, and uh, you guys have a good evening. Thank you, you too. Thank you, Zach. Bryce, love you, man. Love you too, guys. Enjoy, Enjoy Bryce. It.